electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner, front and center this hour, the first COVID vaccine administered in the UK, what this momentous day means to your money. We debate that with our investment committee today. Joining me for the hour are Stephanie Link, Josh Brown, John Nigerian, Sarat Sethi. Let's go to the wall, check stocks, as we always do. A nice reversal, as Carl said, Dow 30,166. That's a gain of just shy of 100 points today, one-third of 1%. The S&P just shy of 3,700, gain of about six points. NASDAQ is a fractional mover today. The Russell 2000 up three-quarters of 1%. We get to the markets in just a moment, but first, a story new at noon today and my reporting on a short seller who has targeted the medical device maker Penumbra, whose shares are now down significantly. Take a look here today, down by more than 14 percent. That is after quintessential capital management and its principal, Gabriel Grego, released a letter it sent to the FDA today alleging that the company's primary product, a flex catheter called Jet7, has a known safety risk and can result in injury or even death. The letter follows a more substantive short report that Quintessential released on November 10th, saying the device is, quote, structurally flawed and prone to malfunction. It's alleged that 18 deaths and 39 injuries are related to that device. After that first report, the stock fell from $273 to $205, that within a few weeks. At that time, the company had responded to the original allegations, saying, quote, we have full confidence in our product, which has been used in tens of thousands of cases to successfully remove clot from ischemic stroke patients. Penumbra updated its instructions for use in accordance with its procedures that follow quality system regulations and other international standards. That's just one part of the story, though. In addition to today's letter to the FDA, Quintessential also today released a new short report containing another explosive allegation that Penumbra knowingly deceived the FDA and regulators through an elaborate scheme that included creating a fake persona to author favorable clinical studies on its Jet 7 device. The short seller alleging that the person doesn't actually exist and that the real author of that report is the company's co-founder and chief scientist, Arani Bose. Quintessential says in today's report, quote, a substantial portion of scientific literature produced by Penumbra appears to have been authored by a fictional character in a sophisticated, multi-year gross deception. Mr. Grego of Quintessential also filed a whistleblower report with the SEC. He has the receipt to prove that. He alleges that the company created a fictional character named Dr. Antique Bose, complete with a fake LinkedIn page, a phony resume, and a trove of other fraudulent information, including faked and superimposed photos. They claim the alleged Bosed character purports to be a billionaire living in Seattle and say none of his credentials check out. 
The firm says the company created the fake persona to distance itself from management and regulators as questions about the device started to escalate. Quinn Essential is calling on the company's CEO, Adam Elsesser, and Arani Bose to resign. We have reached out to Pernumbra, to Pernumbra as, and we have a, a statement from the company I'd like to read to you uh, right now. They say the attack by sleazy short sellers, QSM, reads like an Internet conspiracy written by teenagers. It is impossible to dispute the facts because there are no facts. Penumbra feels very comfortable stating that none of the allegations in this short seller's diatribe are accurate. The claims are nothing but a baseless campaign by shameless short sellers who are willing to risk lives in order to make a quick profit. For more than 16 years, Penumbra's innovative medical devices have helped save the lives of hundreds of thousands of patients facing life-threatening medical conditions. Now, interestingly, just this morning, the company held an investor call with Bank of America. I'm told the issue never came up. And just yesterday, a Canaccord analyst maintained a buy rating on shares of Penumbra with a price target of $292. That is where we currently stand. The stock, as you see, is down just about 15%. Mr. Grego does join me right now. Gabriel, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. These are obviously explosive allegations. Uh, how can you prove anything that you lay out in your reports? Yeah, I would like to start with a couple of things. Number one, I encourage all the interested uh, listeners to open a report in our website or pin on our tweets and read it for themselves. As usual, I always present the truth as it is, and, uh, and every single allegation of mine is substantiated by a lot of evidence. This evidence is readily available in that report. May it be forced photographs, um, fabricated internet site, and all the other things that you mentioned before. So what do we say? Here there are two stories in one. The fourth story, you, you know, you described it very well, is the, product, the problem with the Jet 7 FX, which is a catheter that this company put in the market in 2019. It's been on the market since then. It's on the market right now in the United States. Um, that started happening as a result of a malfunction of this device from almost from the beginning that it was put from the market uh, until uh, very recently, even though the company made some changes that said it would have solved the problem, the last death was actually announced only one week ago. This product, the company never said anything about this debt, to, to our knowledge, to the public or to the market, until um, the Japanese uh, distributor of the company that was selling these products in Japan came out and said um, a letter to all of the healthcare providers in Japan saying to be careful with this device because there seems to be a problem that already killed eight people in the United States and three in Japan. To our understanding, after this letter, the product, the product was pulled uh, from the Japanese market and it's not on sale to this day. We also understand that the project is not on sale in the European Union, and we inquired, and our sources said that this is because of the accidents. Five weeks after the Japanese letter, the company uh, came up with their own statement, which did not mention any deaths, and you know, just informed doctors to be careful and not to inject uh, conscious media into well, where, the, where the did you Where did you get the number of, of, of deaths that I, I read um, in my story? A significant number of deaths and, and injuries are higher than the numbers that you just cited out of Japan. Where did you get oh, those numbers from? No, no, okay, no, no, no. Listen, we, we're talking about two different times. You said 18 deaths and 39 injuries. That is the accurate, to my knowledge and, and to everybody else's knowledge, headcount right now. But in Japan, the laser w was pulled out, it was put out on uh, June on this year. Back then, there used to be less dead people. Since then, additional deaths have come up. I mean, death have almost doubled. Why? Because the, doctor, the, the product has not been pulled out of the U.S. market. It's out from the European Union, it's out from the Japan, but it keeps being sold um, 
as we speak in America. Why is that? That's the first problem. It's been covered a lot. We wrote a report about this one as well. We believe that the company is being misleading in the way it dealt with the situation that they should pull the product away right now. But the second part, it's even more incredible, and I couldn't believe it until I made vast amount of due diligence. Let me share to your listeners that this is not the first uh, issue of this kind that we uncover. Everybody's welcome to check at my track record. We put a lot of uh, fraudulent CEOs in jail. A lot of companies uh, uh, were put out of existence because they were fraud from us. So we just don't shoot from the hip. We do our work very carefully, and everything we say is highly substantiated. Now, it is a fact that a large portion of the number of supporting research paper are attributed in several academic uh, online publications to this fictional character of Antique Bose. This person is a fake. We have no doubt whatsoever. How can you prove that? Well, the, the proof is this. Number one, the person doesn't show up on any official filings, even though he claimed to have lived 10 years in America. Um, number two, the internet is full of fraudulent photographs of this person. Some of them are someone else's photograph with, his fa- with, with, with a random page uh, superimposed on it. And many of them are people or uh, photographs of other people. One of them that we identified that we don't think has anything to do with this, for all we know, maybe they stole his identity, is a guy called Paul Dafterian. So this, this picture of Paul Dafterian show up all over the internet claiming to be Antique Bose. This Antique Bose has... Uh, References claims to have worked at the Fred Hutchinson Center, uh, claims to have um, worked at the Seattle Cancer Research Center, claims to be a professor at uh, Washington University. We checked we could, with this institution and we couldn't find anybody with that name. Let me, that let me read you out. again, if I, if, if I may, because I, I read this statement um, from the Go company ahead. before you came on. And, and I would yeah. like to read it again uh, to you. Uh, and again, this yeah. is attributed directly to Penumbra. Penumbra. Um, They say this attack by sleazy short sellers, QSM, that's you that they're referring to, reads like Mm -hmm. an Internet conspiracy written by teenagers. It is impossible to dispute the facts because there are no facts. Penumbra feels very comfortable stating that none of these allegations in the short sellers diatribe are accurate. The claims are nothing but a baseless campaign by shameless short sellers who are willing to risk lives in order to make a quick profit. I I read you that and I also have to go back to what I read in my earlier report of the Canaccord Genuity report uh, from an analyst who reiterates (laughs) the buy rating, has a big price target on the stock, $292, and says, based on their experience and discussions with management, we believe the company has followed proper processes and protocols regarding its response to product issues reported to uh, to the company. Mm -hmm. Yes, I mean, listen, the the response of the company is, is a textbook response to one of our attacks. I have to say that the last time that I heard such a response uh, was from an Italian company called Bayon. They said pretty much exactly the same thing. It's all a lie. And now um, all the management is facing criminal prosecution. The company is bankrupt and the stock no longer trades. Same thing with the company Folly Folly a few years ago. They said exactly the same stuff. Um, the management is serving jail time. Company is bankrupt and doesn't exist anymore. So I'm, I'm not saying that this is necessarily going to happen to Penombra. We will see. My point is to inform the public that there is an overwhelming amount of, of evidence which I made available to them, to anybody that reads that report. So far, all I can tell you is, number one, we believe we have some credibility, and our word should carry gravitas, because we put a lot of fraudulent companies out of business. Check our track record. Have you, spoken, two, have you spoken directly with the FDA um, or the SEC? I, I, here's, I have this receipt, by the way. Um, you file this whistleblower report uh, to the SEC, mm-hmm. and you do that on the Internet, and then you get a receipt, which is what... I just want our viewers to know that this is what I'm, I'm holding up uh, here for, for people to see. Have you spoken directly with the FDA or the SEC? 
Well, the FDA has been approached in, in a number of occasions, but they usually just give, they give out a canned response. I, I wrote to several key figures within the FDA uh, in conjunction with my earlier report about the problem of the jet, jet flex because I, I wanted them to take a look at it and if it's dangerous to take it off the market. Right now, these guys have 50% of the stroke aspiration market, which means that any U.S. person that gets a stroke right now, God forbid, is likely to be treated with this device, which is, you know, can kill and can brain injure people. So um, FDA, um, they've been notified. I instructed my lawyers to wrote a very detailed letter, which we made public, by the way. Uh, as far as the SEC, the process is, again, as you said, it's online. We filed a support report. We included our allegation. Everything is evidence. We had three sets of lawyers go through the evidence and go through my allegations. We feel comfortable with it. The company has to say whatever they can say. I was actually uh, expecting them to produce antique bows this antique Bose guy whose name probably does not even exist, and that shows up as the author of all of their research papers on, on multiple websites. Did, did somebody tip you off to this story? How did you learn of these issues regarding this Jet 7 device or the fake persona that you allege uh, exists the, the but doesn't really exist? was public knowledge, even though it was kept very quiet. The first person that broke the news is a very talented uh, journalist called Roddy Boyd, uh, who is among the uh, discoverer of the Valiant fraud. He wrote a piece in September that people should have paid attention to, was denouncing the fact that the company was, keep, was being quiet and not telling anybody about the fact that deaths and brain injuries were mounting about this product. Not enough people read it, obviously. Uh, so I read it, and I thought, okay, maybe, maybe there is more here, and I started digging. And what I found in the first report is that besides there being death, I understood why the product was failing. There seems to be an engineering flaw which cannot be corrected in any way or form. I obtained the official opinion from former FDA consultants, which are really unanimous and say that this thing should be taken off the market. And also I highlighted the fact that the company was being misleading in the way that it was reporting this problem, essentially blaming the doctors for misusing the device, where in fact the problem was in the device itself. This is about the first part. The second part I was looking because I was curious about uh, possible instances of nepotism happening at the company. There are a lot of them. Uh, for example, the uh, children of the CEO, they, they both work at a company. There is nothing wrong with that, uh, but it happens. Um, and this happens on multiple occasions. You can verify for yourself. You can check the glass door and see uh, the nepotism is an issue. So I was looking for nepotism, and I thought, okay, um, there is Arani Bose, who is the co-founder. Let's see if there is some nepotism there. So I started looking for former employees. And sure enough, on LinkedIn, there is a former employee of Penombra that claims to have worked there in 2011 whose name is Antique Bose, whose, uh, whose uh, CV is totally forged and totally built up. Um, and this guy, including on his LinkedIn page, maybe they took it off, but we have backup copies of everything, claims to have authored the vast majority or at least a large proportion of very important scientific research that Penumbra uses to market its devices to doctors and hospitals, to strengthen its FDA application, maybe. And, and uh, also, like they say, they are backed up by very powerful research when they did their IPO. So a normal, reasonable investor may say, oh, let's see who does this research, and comes across uh, papers written or at least attributed from the Internet, from various academic sites, to this guy, Antic Bose, who doesn't exist. And finally, we have something, and again, we don't know who is Antic Bose. Antic Bose, in our opinion, does not exist. I think it could be Arani Bose. Why? Because in those papers, the name, the first name doesn't show up, only the initial and the last name. So both Antic Bose and Arani Bose will show up as A Bose. Arani Bose was caught... Uh, publishing scientific research in support of Penombra in 2009 in a scientific journal. And he was called out by the editor of this journal and reprimanded for uh, 
neglecting to disclose the fact that he's also the co-founder and major shareholder of the company. So in our opinion, we don't know if our antique bows was put together by Irani bows. I think that's the case, but you know, I have put some evidence in there. Um, we leave the reader to decide it. But definitely he had a reason to do it because it was already caught once. And this activity seems to have been intensified around the time of the IPO. So we wonder whether maybe as the IPO was forthcoming, uh, the company or Irani bows or whoever else put up this, this clownish exercise uh, try to make it seem as they, to strengthen the online identity by creating fake YouTube video pages, fake internet sites, fake Wikipedia pages, and so on and so forth. The company is accusing us. You can see right away that this is not us because uh, if you do uh, a search on those websites, you will see that many of them go back to 2015. Some of them go back even earlier. And some of them have been updated as long as, as recent as a couple of months ago. So this is an ongoing problem is an ongoing um, deception, and it's been years long. I mean, and six months ago, I didn't even know what Penumbra was. So I have nothing to do with the creation of Antique Bows. This has put together, probably, will let the um, investigator decide it, and probably, by the company itself or by somebody related to the company. And let's, maybe we, maybe we leave it there. Um, I should say, in your, in your new short report today, you do lay out what you um, consider the evidence of, of this fake persona, including that uh, printout of the faked uh, LinkedIn page. I should also let all of you know, uh, I made it clear to uh, a representative of uh, a spokesperson for Penumbra uh, earlier today that I would put the CEO on our show today. Uh, they chose to send, uh, to send us the statement. Uh, they are invited to come on. Mr. Bose himself, um, uh, the CEO, who, uh, who also has been called uh, for uh, by Mr. Grego, uh, to resign uh, as well. Open invitation. You are willing to, you're uh, uh, certainly open to come on this program anytime you would like. Mr. Grego, I appreciate your time today. Thank you very much. Yep. We'll continue to follow uh, that story. Uh, an interesting story. That stock is on the move. It's uh, down about 16.5%, uh, as I say, shares of uh, Penumbra. Uh, the other big story, obviously, as we move our attention back to the market today, is that first rollout of the vaccine over in the U.K. You can see, you know, the stock market had been in negative territory. It had since turned around. As you take a look at your picture there, you do have green uh, all across the board today. So, Josh, you know, we move past the story, which we just did at the top of the hour to get to, uh, I know, a story everybody's thinking about, and that is these first vaccines administered in the U.S., this news as well that I think people are trying to digest of uh, the U.S. turning down more Pfizer doses when it was offered. Um, that's an interesting story in and of itself. There's been some outflow from cyclical stocks over the last uh, few weeks or so. Wh where does this leave us now on how we're thinking about the market? Yeah, well, let me just go on the record and say I am willing to take the vaccine when it comes out. I don't want the Penumbra uh, version of it, though. That's one of the craziest stories I've ever heard. All right, moving on. Um, market, you've got 92% of the S&P 500 above the 200-day. So if you're an internals guy, you would say, okay, we're, we're pretty overbought here on that measure. Uh, probably uh, wouldn't be shocked to see some sort of a pullback with that many stocks doing that well. But a pullback is all you should really expect. Markets are in, in, in bull mode when you have that many stocks in their own individual bull markets. And in fact, I want to show you that the IWM, which is the Russell 2000 most popular ETF that tracks the Russell, that small cap stocks, the IWM to SPY ratio chart is now the highest it's been since February pre-pandemic. The IWM is now only trailing the SPY by less than 1% on the year. So basically, 
all of that large cap outperformance has now been erased. And honestly, I think that's happened in like five weeks. Materials are on fire. Freeport McMoran has doubled this year. Transports, new all-time high on the open this morning, obviously vaccine-related. In the meantime, Amazon is at the same price it was at in July. So we've had this huge sea change under the surface. Mm -hmm. It's not that growth stocks stopped working. It's that value stocks started working also. And the also part is important. It's very hard to be losing money in this market right now. You have to really be trying your best. Now, that that leads me, Steph, to sort of uh, where I left off with this state of play and this idea. The market's been going up, we know, because of optimism surrounding the rollout of the vaccine. We assume, based on what we've heard up to this point, at least until yesterday evening, that there's going to be enough vaccine to go around to get people vaccinated in this country, everybody who wants one, uh, by mid-year, let's say, um, at the latest we've heard. And then this Pfizer story uh, comes out. And I'm wondering if that changes the calculus at all for why these stocks that Josh laid out, cyclical stocks, uh, small cap stocks, have been moving. Well, um, the the vaccine progress that we get every single day, obviously we know that's a good thing. Uh, We don't know how much is going to be administered, but Pfizer alone said 1.3 billion doses next year. Who knows what the U.S. is going to get? Who knows what's going to happen with Moderna, with J&J? J&J could be the positive surprise in terms of dosage, by the way. We just don't know. But what we do know is that we're making progress. And it is very positive from the healthcare side of things, as we talked about last week, obviously. But from an investor, you're asking me as an investor, And what does it mean? It means you're going to see better GDP growth next year. It means you're going to see better S&P 500 earnings next year. So let me just give you the numbers, right? So GDP expectations are 3.8% for next year. Could we see a 4 or 5% handle? Absolutely. Wouldn't be surprised at all. If you on earnings look at the uh, S&P 500 consensus for next year, 23.5 rather, wouldn't be surprised to see a 30 handle on that number. And I think, look, the the market is a forward-looking indicator. This is one of the reasons why we're up 64% from the March lows. But I don't see any reason whatsoever, given that we expect better growth, maybe even a little bit higher inflation as well, Maybe that does lead to some um, sustainable uh, performance in the value slash cyclical sectors. But again, I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say, but again, I don't want to be all in on cyclicals. I want to own that barbell. I I would not change that strategy at all. Well, I got you because, I mean, look, Morgan Stanley's out today saying, and this is a quote from a report today. If the U.S. government cannot secure more doses of the Pfizer vaccine in first half of 21, then our expectation that the U.S. population could be vaccinated by mid-2021 is at risk. I mean, everybody's estimation would be at risk if there's not going to be enough supply of the vaccine. That's going to throw investment judge uh, thesis. Judge, yes, I'm, I'm not. I'm yeah. not. I'm not a Trump guy. You know, you know that um, in defense of of the president uh, or the president's people, more likely, this is not that they passed on the extra doses from Pfizer because they're stupid. They knew that there were th- at as many as three, if not more, competing vaccines all coming out within the same timeline. And they wanted to diversify the risk in case they went all in on Pfizer and either Pfizer had a manufacturing problem or had an efficacy problem. No or one whatever. has suggested otherwise. They wanted to. They, no one has suggested yeah, otherwise, so including I, I Dr. Think, Gottlieb this morning, who said he used the words spread the risk. The, the, 
Neither that's here right. nor there. I think there'll be enough, is my point. Okay, that, that's all that matters, enough. right? That's all that matters. Either there's going to be enough or there's not. To me. It's going to push the timeline of the reopen uh, out more, or it's not. That's, I think, what we're talking about, yeah, John Nigerian. I think you're right. But even, if, it, right. But, even, but, even if it's, but even if it's pushed out a quarter or two, it's still coming, Scott, right? So A quarter okay, or two fine. is a Maybe long period wanna, of time. Well, for on the healthcare side, of course, but from an investment, now. and from a, and from a, from an investment point of view, it would not change my my strategy, my process, because I believe we're going to get back to some sort of normalcy. I don't know what that looks like, but we're going to get back to some sort of normalcy. Is it second half of 2021? Is it 2022? But that's why you always want to have diversification. And the point of it is, is that we are seeing a recovery. I mean, look, just yesterday alone, the business roundtable, the fourth quarter business confidence was the highest level since second quarter of two, uh, 2019. That means profits are going higher. CapEx is going higher. Okay. Hiring is going lower. So let me ask you all this. Let me ask you all this. Doc, I, I come to you. Are you all investing okay. like the pandemic is over in, as of mid-year 2021? Second half of 2021 is is back to normal. I, I want to know. I mean, if that's the strategy, then that's that's the strategy. Is that what you urge our viewers to do? Invest as as if the pandemic is ending at the end of the first half of 2021. I do believe that it will be ending at, uh, at the end of the first half. In other words, by June of next mm-hmm. year, Scott. Um, I can't tell them how they should invest because I'm not an investment advisor. But I'll tell you what I'm doing, and you already know. Look at my disclosures. I'm in all the epicenter reopening stocks, or at least a lot of them. I'm in a lot of tech stocks. Uh, If Steph wants to call that a barbell, I'm not arguing with her. That's a barbell. Um, I Also, Scott, we've put $10.5 billion, to Josh's point, um, into Sanofi, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson. I mean, it's not just a one bet. Fauci is right. Uh, that Operation Warp Speed is $10.5 billion spreading the risk across multiples. Now, the really good news today, Scott, of course it is that that woman over in the U.K., the 90-year-old grandmother, got the first dose in the U.K. Big, big thumbs up to them for that. The really great news, though, is that when you look at this emergency youth authorization, uh, that 92 pages uh, that was filed, that says that it's as effective on the older population as it is on the younger population, and that it's at least 95% and maybe even 97%. So those are the really good news here, Scott, with particular the Pfizer uh, BioNTech uh, vaccine. So that's fabulous news, and that means that we're likely to see a much better rollout in the second half of 2021. Well, that's the, you know, Jan Hatzius at Goldman today, Surratt, the cavalry's coming. Uh, we know it is. Yep. We just want it to show up when we want it to show up, right? We want to get back to normal. Yes, we do. We, we do, Scott. And I think, you know, everybody's talked about how we get there, whether it's second quarter or whether it's the end of the, uh, the following year. I, I think, you know, the coil spring approach is what a lot of people are expecting. The diversification is really important. We've talked about that for a long time. And I think what, what investors have to also understand is, when this is rolled out, there are going to be winners and losers, not just amongst the reopening stocks, but amongst all different companies. And I think that's where it will then become very, that's when stock picking is going to get really much harder or even better for those who are active managers, 
because the playing field will be more open and do does large cap with great balance sheets win over some of the small caps. Those are some of the things we have to look for. But, you know, I share that optimism. We've been invested with the barbell strategy that Steph's referred to many times. And, and I think you don't want to go for the home run right now, but you just want to kind of play it out, be diversified and look for opportunities. I, I hear you. But even those, you know, Josh, who are optimistic and maybe more optimistic than some others, Ed Yardeni comes on the program. He's always optimistic. He says the current altitude of the Buffett ratio and other valuation measures, and I know you, you study this sort of thing as well, Josh, has us all wondering how much higher they can go without risking a severe market meltdown following an Icarus's wax vapor trail, right? Don't get too close to the sun. Yeah. Are we approaching that level? Yeah, so, <laughs> so we, we are advocates of uh, globally diversified portfolios for exactly that reason. You can buy most of the rest of the world at 15 times earnings with uh, a dividend yield anywhere from 20 to 60% higher than the dividend yield that you're getting for S&P uh, 500 names. And I won't even throw treasuries into the, into the mix as part of that discussion because then it becomes even more obvious. The answer is international stocks in concert with U.S. stocks, not instead of, and not even necessarily overweight versus, but both. Both. Because Ed Yardeni, while he accurately cites the fact that we are at a very high level of, um, of historical uh, valuation versus like all these different metrics, also is talking about the roaring 2020s. He did an hour on my podcast on this topic, and it was amazing. And the parallels are, are very clear. Um, and if you were in the middle of 1918, with millions of people all around you being pushed through the streets in, in wheelbarrows, and someone said three years from now we're going to be booming, it would have been hard to, to have foreseen. And yet that's one of the best decades for uh, growth, prosperity, stock market stuff, et cetera. So it's not that you need a roaring 2020s. It's just that we have to acknowledge um, ultra-low rates probably aren't going anywhere. Right. We're in the midst of these transformative revolutions in all different types of technology, from clean energy to the cloud. Um, and you've got this, this dividend in the form of uh, uh, Gen Y uh, and Gen Z coming up behind them, taking over the workforce. You're talking about like 120 million people uh, entering the workforce uh, and becoming into their uh, peak earnings years. So. Yes, you're welcome to bet against that if you, if you want to, and you might even score a few wins in these 20 or 30% bear markets that will go on. But bigger picture, uh, I think if you're an investor, you want to be in stocks. I mean, look, all fair points. Uh, there are a lot of people who think this roaring 20s idea is legit. My only question, as I you know, bring it up for the course of uh, debate, if, if for nothing else, is... You could still have a roaring 20s that begin in 2022 because we just don't know sure the uptake of the vaccine and we just don't know the rollout and we don't it's know when point. real activity 21 was a recession re actually re returns returns back to normal so with that i mean that's what city's talking about today signs of sustained gdp momentum are not until 2022 whether they're right or not who knows steph i come to you though because your your trader moves uh, are interesting and i'd like you to talk about those with our with our viewers you sold DR Horton sure. and Fidelity National FIS. Let's talk about the two cells before we talk about where you put some money to work. DR, DHI and FIS, why? Yeah, so I've been trimming all of my housing stocks because they've been winners. And this one, DR Horton, is up 130% since March. And I just think expectations are really 
really high. Look at Toll Brothers today. They blew it away. Their backlog was up 68% and the stock's down 7%. So I think that he's got a little crowded. So I did Home Depot and I sold that one a couple of weeks ago as well. I still have plenty of housing exposure, as you know, because I, t- I think my, da- my backdoor play in housing is TJX, but I still own PPG and I still own Stanley Black & Decker. Trim All Depot. three of those stocks have actually lagged. Right. Home Trim, Depot. Trim yeah, Depot. I sold Home Depot. You sold it. So um, I sold it. I sold it because I made money in it. I mean, I'm not going to like complain about getting uh, making a 30 percent gain. This hey, year I'm not on hating Depot, on it. But I'm on not D- hating on it. I was just remembering it. That's all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. So these other things, though, TJ is flat on the year. PPG is only up a little uh, like low single digits at this point. Stanley Black & Decker is like flat, too. So I think there's more upside to the laggards in housing, and that's where I want to go. Mm-hmm. And uh, FIS, I just took some gains, and I put it into Fortinet, because that actually is a cybersecurity company that has lagged also, trading at a 10% discount. And then I put some money into Blackstone. I've owned that in the past. I like the company. I like their positioning. The free cash flow numbers are phenomenal. Uh, that's because they've got free growth. And uh, they'll benefit from low interest rates, which I don't think are taking off any all right, good stuff. I didn't even have to prompt you uh, for what you bought. You did it on your own. Thank you for that. All right, there's. Uh, <laughs> I was there's, so excited. Yeah, there's BX. Those uh, shares are moving higher. All right, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back. Two bullish calls coming up on one retail stock. It's already surged 30% in the last six months. That's our call of the day. And Thursday night, 8 Eastern on CNBC. Do not miss a special program, The Path Forward Race and Opportunity in America. It's anchored by Carl Quintanilla and John Fort. We're back. Two minutes. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one. Visit ODFL.com to learn more. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Sue Herrera. Here's your CNBC News update at this hour. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxson is suing four other states, accusing them of illegally changing election laws during the pandemic. He is also asking the Supreme Court to invalidate their 62 electoral college votes, a move that would swing the election to President Trump. Criticism of that suit has been swift and scathing. Michigan's attorney general says it is a publicity stunt and not a serious legal pleading. A spokesperson for the Georgia attorney general says the Texas AG is, quote, constitutionally, legally and factually wrong about Georgia, end quote. Trump campaign attorney Jenna Ellis is reportedly telling colleagues she has tested positive for COVID-19. Axios reports there are now concerns her attendance at the White House Christmas party last Friday could turn it into a super spreader event. And 40 years ago today, former Beatle John Lennon was shot and killed outside his New York City apartment. The gunman, Mark David Chapman, was arrested on the scene and is still in prison. You are up to date, Scott. I'll send it back to you. Thank you very much, Sue Herrera. All-time high for Nike today, and also two new bullish price target increases. Morgan Stanley and Cowan both raising their targets to $165. It's our call of the day. Stephanie Link owns Nike, loves Nike, hasn't taken any profits in Nike, right? Haven't taken any profits in Nike. I mean, it's up 30% year-to-date. I could, but, um, and it's not cheap. 
Uh, but it's a quality compounder. They have terrific products. They have a global footprint. They have a great balance sheet so that they can invest in innovation and in technology and, and the supply chain. And they're just kicking everybody's butt. So I don't really want to sell that at this point. I also think the next leg to the story is DTC and them increasing that. And that's going to be margin accretive. So you'll see operating leverage. So I'm going to stick with it, stay patient with it, and, uh, and, and just hope that they can continue to execute like they have been. Yeah, I mean, you echo you know, what, what Morgan Stanley's saying, too, about the DTC. Digital transformation. I mean, that's a big yeah. crux uh, of the story. Maybe pulled forward a bit um, out of necessity because of the pandemic, uh, but a huge growth opportunity, right? It is. It's 30% of total revenues, but um, the margins are 10% higher than a uh, brick-and-mortar store, if you will. So that's why it's so accretive. If they just got that to 40%, 50%, you're looking at something like 6 $7 of earnings power to this company. So you just don't want to get off that. Not at, these, uh, not at these levels. I think there's more to go. Forward PE, forward PE 45? Is that high for you? <laughs> I know. It's very high. It's I mean, very I high. Do, I had to and do a fact, double take. I, was, I did a double take because I was like, is that right? 45 and a half? But there it I, is. I know. Forward PE, 45. It is. It is. But, but that's why I say let's look at earnings power. Let's not look at just next year's earnings because next year's earnings are much lower than that. If they actually can realize a lot of market share growth in DTC, then you will have six, seven dollars of earnings power. And it's not nearly as expensive. By the way, I feel the same way about Costco. And I actually did trim some Costco because that stock is also trading uh, at near highs and it's also very expensive. But I, I want to pick my battles here. And these are not battles that I need to fight. These are winners. Just I have to focus on the other ones that, that are more project stories, if you will. These are not project stories. <laughs> the GEs the Wells Fargo's. Yeah, right. Are you talking about those? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I figured. I might be. Okay. Uh, for more on today's biggest analyst calls of the day, you can check out the write-up on CNBC Pro. Go to CNBC.com slash pro. Please do that. Please stay with us. John's latest trades and unusual activity are next. And as we go to break, check on the S&P sectors today, led by energy once again. Uh, S&P's up eight. Back after this. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash report. That is linkedin.com slash report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash report and get started. We're back. Shares of DraftKings have surged more than 15% over the past month. And guess what? 
Bullish options traders continue to jump into that name. So says that man right there sitting in that big chair, John Najarian. Thank you, Scott. Yeah, uh, DraftKings. Uh, this is one where we've had multiple upside plays. Virtually all of them have worked out because, you know, this is a stay-at-home stock. It's also a reopening and or re redoing of gambling online in states that have approved that. DraftKings uh, weekly options this Friday, these expire, Scott, at the 48 strike. So take a look at those. Big volume here. I was already in. I bought these weeklies as well. It's at the 48 strike. Second one, Rackspace. Um, this one, RXT. Uh, just looks like it's ready to go. They're also buying options, but in this case, these are January 20 calls, upside calls, which isn't that far for this one to jump to. It's a $19 stock right now. I bought those. I'll probably be in those in the neighborhood, Scott, of three weeks to a month. All right, good stuff. Thank you for that. Doc, coming up, Ask Halftime's next. You can send your questions by video. We'll play them on the air. Email us, askhalftime at cnbc.com. We're back after this. Oh, let's do it. Let's answer your questions now. First up, we got a video one for you, John. Is Palantir a good long-term hold? All right, John, that's from Walter in I'd California. Yes. What do you think? Sorry. Sorry, Scott. I'd say yes, indeed it is, Walter. Um, I like the stock. Been in it since the IPO all the way through to here. Been writing calls against it. Great stock. All right, uh, Steph, another John. Uh, this one in Indiana. A uh, question for you about uh, VFC, uh, VF Corp. What's your target for the stock? A lot higher, <laughs> I would say. Actually, I like this one Good very answer. much. I might even like this one. I might, I might even like this one actually a little bit more than Nike because it's down 10% year to date. It yields 2.2%. They've got strong liquidity, great brands, right? The North Face, Vans, Timberland. They'll get back to mid-teens growth eventually as we reopen and get back to normalcy. So I like this one quite a bit. I do think it goes a lot higher. Josh, I got one for you. Yash in New Jersey. PayPal, buy, sell, hold. This is one of those stocks where um, even when we quote unquote get back to normal, it has just dramatically enhanced its position in, in capitalism and in the economy. So I'm long. I think the stock goes to at least 250. Um, if it were in the XLF, it would be the third largest holding. It's twice the size of BlackRock, twice the size of Wells Fargo, and some would argue twice as relevant uh, as most traditional banks. This is the bank of the future. I think you want to be there. Okay, Mr. Satie, last to you, Al, Santa Rosa, California, Bristol-Myers. What do you think about it? Uh, we like it. We own it, and we're buying it. Uh, it's 8.3 time, times earnings. Uh, the combination with Celgene provided them a real diversification in terms of all the products and drugs they have. So this is the, one of the cheapest of the drug companies, and I think it has a great upside from here. Thank you, sir, for that. we got more trades straight ahead as we go to break. Take a look at some of the stocks hitting new highs today. Equifax, FedEx, and Disney among them. We are back in two minutes. Let's do the futures outlook. The U.S. dollar barely edging higher today after hitting its lowest level in more than two years last week. Joining us now, Scott Nations of Nations Indexes, Brian Stutland of Equity Armor Investments. Gentlemen, good to see you. Where are we going with the dollar? The lowest level in two years recently. How long is that going to last? Which one of us do you want, Scott? Brian. Yeah, I think when you look at the dollar here, you, 
it's drifting lower continuously. As stimulus talks pick up, we're starting to see a trend lower. It looks like it wants to get below 90 here. That was basically below 90 is the low going back to 2017-18. So I think we have a little bit more to go. But if I'm placing bets, I'm not sure I want to short the dollar right here, as we've already seen it drop dramatically. And, and certainly, you know, back up above 100, we're not going to see for quite a bit of time. But let's see how this stimulus package plays out here. If there's no package, dollar higher. If there is a package, watch that low from 2017 and 18. Scott Nations? Uh, you know what? Perversely, euphoria about a vaccine is actually bad for the dollar. We saw a spike of flight to quality in March when it got up to 103 that sounds more like the temperature of a COVID patient than the dollar index. But as that flight to quality eases, it's coming back to earth. Now we just look at the fundamentals, Scott. We see interest rates here are very low. We're worried about inflation. Neither of those is good for the dollar. And then there's one more thing, Scott, that probably hasn't been talked about enough. A more normal relationship with China helps the yuan, which means that hurts the dollar. And while that may be good in the long run, it's tough to take you if you're a dollar bull. Mm, interesting perspective there. Guys, thank you very much. Scott Nations, Brian Stutland. Talk to you again soon. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll do final trades next. All right. Final trades in just a minute. John Nigerian, though, you first. FedEx, target raised today, street high, $380 at UBS. You own calls. Talk to me. Yep. And. And it, uh, I do, Scott, and it just broke 300 today, traded up to 303. Um, it's literally right at 300 as we're speaking now. Like the upside here, Scott, and demand drives value in this one, and the demand is through the roof. Uh, I think you hold this one and continue to look for more upside, Scott. Give me something quick, too. Netflix, we don't talk about this stock that much anymore. Target raised to 610 no. at Jeffries. That's 100 bucks higher than here. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, calls in this one also, Scott, uh, stock and calls. I like the upside of Netflix, and I think the offerings just keep getting better, really, rather than just until theaters reopen, Scott, this is the play. Give me a name for a final trade while you're at it, please. Plug, P-L-U-G, upside calls, December 30 strike. All right, good stuff. Surat, what do you got for me? Thank you. Uh, GoDaddy hitting all new highs, uh, growth at a very reasonable price. Okay, we'll continue to follow that. Having a little bit of decent day today. All right, Josh Brown. Um, PayPal, stay long, going higher. All right, still likes the payments name. All right, Stephanie Link. XPO. I think the spin-out news last week of a logistics business is absolutely positive, multiple enhancing, and shareholder value creating. So I like that stock a lot going All right. forward. So does Surratt. I don't know why he's not shaking his head. Yes, he owns I it do. too. All right, guys. I do, I do. I like that in PayPal. So. <laughs> Thank you, guys. The exchange is now. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today.